I want to start this week's show by playing a short clip from last week's show. And then when we found them, we were supposed to take a flight with them from Quito down to Cuenca. And um, the night before, there was a volcanic eruption. And so all the flights were, were um, grounded. And so we had to figure out how we were going to get down to where our hotel was. And so as a group, we ended up renting a, a bus and we did a bus tour across the country instead of flying down there. Now, have you ever reflected on how important buses are to travel and how at times they can be your best mode of transportation? Pretty much every American benefits from the motor coach industry each year. If you're not one of the millions of Americans who hop on a bus once in a while, odds are you are a fan of sports, music, or some other industry that relies on motor coaches. I mean, how often have you seen groups traveling on a coach? Or think about how often you've used a coach while you were on a trip. The motor coach industry is incredibly important to travel and tourism, and unfortunately, it's been an industry that's taken a deep financial hit during this pandemic year. While it's most certainly not the only industry that's been negatively impacted in 2020, for whatever reason, it hasn't gotten the financial relief that other similar industries have received. So why has such an important industry been left out? This is Destinations Beyond Expectations. In the world of travel, things are constantly changing. There's always something to learn about the places we go. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Destinations Beyond Expectations, a podcast designed for students of travel. Hello and welcome to DBE. I am your host, Stevie G. No matter where you're listening, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere else, go hit that follow or subscribe button. That really helps the show become more searchable so we can reach more students of travel. Destinations Beyond Expectations is also on Facebook and Instagram. And I have a website, www.dbetravel.com, that you should go check out if you haven't done so yet. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? I use Buzzsprout for Destinations Beyond Expectations, and I couldn't be happier. I'm including a link in the show notes to help you get started on Buzzsprout. Following that link lets Buzzsprout know we sent you and gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout. The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping your podcast succeed, and I can't recommend Buzzsprout enough. My guest this week is Peter Pantuso. Peter is the president and CEO of the American Bus Association, which serves many bus companies in the motor coach industry, an industry that up until 2020 provided over 600 million passenger trips annually on charters, tours, scheduled services, and shuttles. Motor coach transportation is a big part of travel, so I thought it would be great to have Peter come on the show to highlight exactly how important the motor coach industry is, policies and procedures that bus companies are implementing in response to COVID, and what we can do to help. Without any further ado, here is my interview with Peter. Peter, welcome to Destinations Beyond Expectations. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really uh, 
appreciate you taking some time to join me today. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. Great to be here. I'm excited uh, excited to talk to anybody and everybody in the travel industry because it's a uh, it's a great time to keep in contact with everyone and connect with everybody. Number one, to see how the world is working and how operators are getting along, how suppliers are getting along, and it's nice to nice to hear friendly voices every day. Awesome. Now, before we get into the real heart of the the conversation, um, I kind of want to let the audience know about you. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got involved in, in working with motor coaches? Sure. I uh, I came to D.C. actually 40 years ago this year. It's hard for me to believe it's been that long. I was working for a company in Pennsylvania. I was their lobbyist, and I came to D.C. to join the lobbying team of the association that they were part of. They were in the glass bottle manufacturing business. And so no relation to buses or travel or tourism. And uh, I worked for them for a few years and, and got recruited to join another association of chocolate and candy companies and uh, added about 40 or 50 pounds to my, to my uh, waist. And then from there, went to a group of tire and rubber companies. And, and at that point was sort of in the edges of the transportation industry and then was recruited to come over to ABA. So my history you know, is government affairs, lobbying, and association work. And, and when I came to ABA and interviewed for the position, most of the functions at ABA I had performed somewhere else in some capacity, whether it was lobbying, government affairs, marketing, uh, finance, whatever it might have been. The only thing I had not done before I'd gotten here was, was be involved with an organization that had a publishing arm and, and produced a magazine. Isn't that funny? Do you do you find the same thing that so many people in the world of travel, um, they, they find an interesting way to get there? They do, yeah. It's, it seems like the entire industry has gotten into travel almost by default, right? It was a calling maybe, um, but they, they hadn't intended to go in that direction. I mean, I you know, I can tell you as I was growing up and even through the early part of my career, travel and tourism wasn't a, an area that I thought about necessarily, although I liked to travel at the time. But uh, uh, once you get in it, you, you're hooked and you can't get out of it. So we, people that get in it never want to leave it after that. So you, you're enjoying working in, uh, in the motor coach industry? Absolutely. Motor coach, you know, group travel, I'm enjoying all of it. It's been a great part of, uh, of, of you know, the last 20 plus years of my life now that I've been at ABA. Wonderful. So let's actually pivot a little bit here and uh, start getting into the central point of why you're joining me today, and, and that's to talk about the state of the motor coach industry. Um, can you maybe give some insight on on how COVID has affected transportation and, and maybe a little more so specifically to the motor coach industry? Yeah, so motor coach and group travel has been hit harder than any other segment of the travel industry. Um, you know, things started shutting down back in the end of February, early part of uh, early part of March. And from that point on, it really hasn't come anywhere close to recovering at any pace that we've seen recovery in other segments of, of what I would call the travel industry. So whether that's hotels, restaurants, you know, some other segments, um, the motor coach industry, the motor coach part of it continues to be largely shut down, especially the, uh, the charter side. Uh, we're seeing a little bit of a rebound in some of the scheduled service, a little bit of a rebound by some of the uh, commuter operators, but Again, people are still mostly working from home, not working in their office. They don't need to commute to their destination. Um, and when it comes to the charter side of the business, you know, we're only seeing about 10% uh, 
of the operation compared to what would have taken place in 2019. So 90% of that segment is shut down. Yeah. And one of the, the troubling things to me, you know, as I'm sitting back and, and watching everything go on, I feel like a lot of industries, we've seen them get, you know, relief, uh, get some money thrown their way to to help them out. But can you maybe speak a little bit about the absence of uh, financial relief to the motor coach company or to the motor coach industries? Yeah. So the, in the end of March, we saw Congress obviously provide stimulus dollars to a big chunk of the population, big chunk of business and trying to get workers back to work. Uh, they passed a, a $3 trillion program and there were some monies in there for every segment, bus operators, tour operators through the what was called the PPP lending program. Um, there was another program called the Main Street Lending Program. There were some dollars in there potentially available, but very few companies took advantage of it, number one. And number two, given the nature of their business and the timing of the business, really didn't help a lot of companies. Those motor coach companies that I know of took some that took some money, you know, had to hire their employees back in a in a given period of time. Uh, they kept them on for eight weeks and then since they don't have any business, they essentially let them go again. Contrast that to what the airlines, Amtrak and transit systems got. They got collectively over eighty billion dollars in financial aid through that same stimulus bill. And we were really the only form of passenger transportation that was left out. Um, so while the other major segments have done fine, now I won't say done fine, but you know we're we're substantially supported by federal dollars. Um, the motor coach industry was not, and so we've been fighting tooth and nail ever since then to try to get some relief and funding for the industry. Yeah, so I'm not sure exactly how you feel about this, but it's to me it's almost like we as a as a you know as people we just forget how important the motor coach industry is. I mean, you look to like, for example, the other week, you know, all these motor coach companies are answering the call, going and getting people out of the path of, of the hurricane that went through. And it's like, wow, I mean, the motor coach industry is, is super important, yet it's like, I don't know, we, we can't get attention to it. Or, I mean, can you maybe elaborate on that a little bit? Do you think it's just yeah, people are kind of forgetting about the motor coach industry? Yeah, there are a couple of things that come to mind. I mean, I always say to people, we're kind of like wallpaper, right? I mean, we just kind of blend into the background. We, we move 600 million passengers a year, almost as many as the airlines, 20 times more than Amtrak does. But we're not federal entities, and we don't connect to the federal government or state governments like airlines, like Amtrak, like transit systems do. You know, the airlines, when they pull a plane into a terminal, it's a, it's a government facility, basically. So they're connected at the hip with the government. Um, all those entities are coming to Congress on a regular basis looking for help and support. And so when it comes to supporting transportation from a federal perspective, you know, Congress and the regulatory agencies are, are always thinking, oh, yeah, these are the ones we always support. Let's give them additional help. You know, we as independent business, business people um, are not going to the Hill on a regular basis with our hand out. We just want to be left alone and be allowed to run the business and do the business and follow whatever rules and regulations apply. But, but we're not going hat in hand saying, hey, we need money from Congress. So I think that's a, a, it's worked to our disadvantage. Um, and the other thing, as, as you point out, you know, the role that we play in moving people during hurricanes, moving people during fires, you know, getting people out of harm's way, moving the military, uh, from place to place or to and from deployments. You know, those things people don't really realize. 
Um, you know, we move when when troops are moving and we move, you know, millions of troops throughout the year. People don't normally think about that because it's done by a private company, oftentimes a small company kind of in the area of a of a base. Um, I remember the Secretary Ridge, who was the first Homeland Security Secretary after 9-11. We had a conversation one time and and he said to me, you guys are like the strategic transportation reserve. You know, in the U.S., we have the strategic oil reserve. Nobody knows where it is. I've never seen it. It doesn't really exist in barrels somewhere where they take a picture of it and say, oh, well, here's the oil reserve. But it's there and, and it's accounted for. And he said, that's kind of the way you are in the transportation industry. You're the strategic transportation reserve. You're always there. In Katrina, when all the local buses, the transit buses, the school buses were flooded and all you could see on the pictures in the, in the video were rooftops, you know, it was a thousand private buses that went down to move people out of harm's way. And he said, people just don't realize the incredible role that the motor coach industry plays. And, you know, whether it's, again, moving people out of harm's way or moving people to a destination that adds value, that increases, you know, travel and tourism in a destination, that fills up hotels, that fills up parks, you know, whatever that may be, that role we play, people don't necessarily focus on it or think about it on a daily basis in the same way we do. Yeah, and and when I think of, you know, maybe uh, transportation in relation to individual travel, sure, maybe I think of an airplane first. But when I when I think of transportation in relation to group travel, the first thing that pops into my mind is buses. I mean, yep. can, can you maybe speak on how important buses are to whether it be senior tours, music tours, any kind of group tours? Sure. And, you know, when you were pointing out, you know, other forms of travel, I mean, we are the ones that connect to a lot of those modes as well. Right. So we're bringing people to and from cruise ships. I mean, most people, if they're getting on and off a cruise ship, are touching a bus, you know, before and after that cruise. Or in many cases, if they're flying into, you know, the airport and then taking a cruise, they're taking a bus to their destination. Or, you know, down in Orlando, they're flying in, taking the bus to a Disney property before they go and visit the theme park. And, you know, that just takes place. And it's kind of odd, not odd to me, but it's, it's you know, when you think about it, you, we always show up very, very low in surveys. When there's surveys done about travel and, and how you got to the destination, the bus is always forgotten. People will say, oh, I, yeah, I went to, you know, uh, I went on a cruise. They will, you know, how did you get there? They got there by plane, but they never connect the bus piece. Or, you know, that happens over and over again. They went to a football game, but they never say, oh, yeah, well, that's right. Well, there were 50 of us and we were on a bus and we went to that football game. So um, it, it's the role that we play in, in travel and tourism in terms of getting people to and from, getting people to destinations where there aren't any planes, there aren't any trains. And the most efficient way to get there is, is by, by coach. Um, we're adding uh, value to the local economy. Uh, we're also you know, providing opportunities to travelers that they might never, ever have. I mean, it's not unusual that many people that are traveling by group and go to a destination, taking a tour, you know, it's a big event. And in some cases, maybe their only trip of the year, or maybe their, their first trip they've taken in a long, long time. Um, they, know it's, they know it's affordable. They know there's great value added. They know they're going to be safe and they turn to motor coaches first. But again, when we go back and say, how'd you get there? You know, they, they, they forget about it. So we've got to keep, we've got to be more top of mind, I think, with everybody and, and try to stay uh, in front of their psyche that, hey, we're, we're the ones that got them there and got them home safely. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, buses, they really connect uh, different modes of travel. Um, now, 
I want to actually notice something, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Um, as as bus companies are, you know, starting to pick themselves back up again, as travel is starting to slowly, you know, be a thing again, um, I've noticed that a lot of bus companies are putting out videos and being very transparent about safety mm-hmm. and their safety protocols that they're they've put in place for their uh, their you know how guests are going to travel on their bus. Can you maybe speak on some of the the things you've noticed that bus companies are doing to stay to stay safe and be transparent with people? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we knew this was an issue, you know, months and months ago, and we actually put together a committee back in April uh, of of our members, and it was motor coach companies, but it was also other segments of the travel industry because we said, you know, if you're going to get people back traveling again, if you're going to get them on a bus. Number one, the bus has got to be safe. It's got to be clean. You've got to be following all the kinds of protocols that are going to make people aware that you're taking every possible step to ensure that they're not going to have COVID um, and and the trip is not going to be an environment where they're going to pick up COVID. So it's not just about the bus, but it's the hotel that they stop at, the restaurant they eat at, the gift shop they go to, uh, the the park or theme park that they go to, all of those things have got to be included in those protocols. And that communication between the operators, the tour operators, as well as the bus operators, and all the other entities that they stop at has got to be transparent to everybody getting on the bus. So that's number one. And that's why we brought a group together that included not only motor coach companies, but everybody else. And over the span of, I guess, about a a month and a half or maybe even two months, we put together a a whole uh, package, if you will, online. It's available on our website. Um, looking at protocols, looking at best safety practices, what were other companies doing when it came to cleaning, uh, but also what were they doing in terms of communication, communicating to those other travel partners, and then communicating back to the customers. Um, A lot of motor coach companies have said, you know, we're going to limit seating to 50% capacity. So if it was a 50-passenger bus, they would only allow 25 on. Um, Some said we're going to allow the group to make that final decision. Um, because if it's a group that's normally together all the time anyway, uh, maybe a lot of them are family members, maybe they're all within the community, maybe it's a club that's always spending time together, uh, maybe they feel more comfortable with you know, 60% or 70% capacity on the bus. So we'll allow them to make that ultimate decision. But whatever the decision is, it's got to work for the group, and the group has got to be, got to be comfortable and feel at the end of the day that not only they're going to get a safe ride in terms of, you know, getting there safely and back, but they're going to get a safe ride in terms of cleanliness and, and following all the procedures possible that make sure that nobody's going to pick up COVID. And in the rare case that they might, that they might, you know, what's the procedure on the road? How are you going to handle that? How are you going to treat the group? Are you going to isolate the individual and get them back home? Are you going to turn the bus around, bring the group back home? How are you going to do that? So a lot of those you know, pieces went into putting that puzzle together. Now, it's one thing, too, to say, you know, we're going to have all these safety procedures and, and policies in place, but it's another thing to actually carry them out. What I've noticed right. and what I felt is, um, you know, watching videos and seeing how other, uh, you know, bus operators are handling it, I felt like they're very serious about safety. I mean, they're not just buying you know, the, the lowest cost air purification systems, and they're not just wiping down seats once in a while. And, you know, they're actually taking it very seriously. I, I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah oh, ab- absolutely. And, you know, the other, the other thing we've said to at least to our members is that's what the customer is going to be looking for from here on out. I don't care whether it's this month, next month, or next year, that's going to be standard operating procedure. 
And, you know, we don't represent, obviously, every company in the industry. It's 3,000 companies. We represent about 800 of them at ABA. Um, but we also said this is, a, this is a, a differentiator when people are making a decision about what coach to travel on or what company to hire. You know, who's going to get them there safely and back safely? Uh, not only from, uh, again, not only from an operational perspective, but from a cleanliness perspective. And if they don't feel that that's going to be part of the trip, they're not going to pick you. They're going to pick somebody else. So, you know, if you want to, if you want to come out the end of this pipeline, if you want to survive and get through the pandemic, you know, financially and, and as a business, then this is something that's got to be priority number one. It's got to be something that's top of mind. And you've got to make your customers aware because it will be a differentiator going forward, I believe. Yeah, and maybe so even uh, as an industry, right? If if airlines yep. and restaurants or other you know industries aren't taking safety as seriously, and when we're looking at the motor coach industry, and I feel like you guys are are you know leaders and and taking this uh, these safety precautions very seriously, and and you know if someone's seeing a bus company taking safety seriously, maybe they'll choose not to fly or something along those lines, right? That, yeah, you're exactly right. You know, and, and, and I said this before, I kind of likened back to 9-11. I mean, very different circumstance, obviously. But after 9-11, there were a lot of people that did not want to fly for, for various reasons, and they were afraid. Um, so they looked at, you know, what's the best way? I still want to get to my destination. I still want to, want to have this trip or this vacation. How do I go? And a lot of people chose motor coach over flying. And, and I think to your point, you know, where do they feel the most comfortable? Well, the airlines, a lot of them initially said, you know, we're going to limit seating. We're going to stagger seat people on the plane. And now it's, you know, we'll take every dollar and fill every seat we can and, and without restriction. And if people don't feel comfortable flying in that, you know, compressed cattle tube, if you will, just jammed in shoulder to shoulder, and they begin to look at alternatives, well, I think the motor coach industry is a great alternative because of what we are doing and how we're doing it. I want to take a quick break from the interview to tell you about something new Kaleidoscope Adventures is launching called Just For Us Adventures. Just For Us Adventures is a great way to travel confidently with your student group because these trips are built on experiences that limit exposure to crowds and large gatherings. With outdoor adventures, private dining for your group, and other features that focus on limiting interaction with other parties, just for us adventures may be the perfect fit for your group. Peter just talked about all the safety procedures bus companies are implementing, and Kaleidoscope Adventures is there to make sure your group travels safely throughout your entire trip from start to finish. Visit www.mykatrip.com to learn more about Just For Us Adventures or give Kaleidoscope Adventures a call at 800-774-7337. Tell them you heard about Just For Us Adventures on the DBE podcast and ask them what they're doing to make sure their trips are hashtag KA safe. So I want to rewind it and talk about something that we had touched on a little bit earlier, and that's the absence of financial relief to the motor coach industry. Uh, now, I know the CERTS Act is out there and, and people are hoping it passes. I'm certainly hoping it passes. Can you maybe talk a little bit about the CERTS Act? I'll let Peter take it in a second, but I just want to mention that CERTS stands for Coronavirus Economic Relief for Transportation Services. Yeah, sure can. So there's two bills uh, called the CERTS Act. One is in the House, uh, U.S. House of Representatives. One is in the Senate. 
And these are the two bills that provide the most opportunity to give relief to the motor coach industry. Um, the Senate bill was led by Senator Reed from Rhode Island and Senator Collins from Maine, both long-term senators, both very, very active. Um, the House bill was carried primarily by four members of the House, uh, but it was led by Congressman LaHood from Illinois and, and three others. Uh, the House bill now has, off the top of my head, almost 90 co-sponsors. The Senate bill has about 40 co-sponsors or close to 40. And when we were, and I'll back up a little bit, so back in March when we began going to Congress and say we need help as an industry, based on what we saw at that time, based on the fact that this the motor coach segment, not the group travel segment, but just the motor coach sales and, and revenue in the industry was about $15 billion. And looking at the impact of COVID at that time, we said, you know, to survive, we think this industry needs in round numbers about $10 billion in grants and $5 billion in loans, a combination of the two. We got that a little bit from the airlines because they got grants and loans. They got $50 billion in total, but it was a combination of those two. So we modeled the ask after what the airlines had already got. And um, the Senate, the Senate, the first bill that was introduced, first search bill was the Senate version. And they said, yeah, we want to help the motor coach industry. But we also want to help uh, the school bus industry because we know some of those companies are struggling. We also want to help the passenger vessel industry. And those could be companies that are doing uh, ferry boats or they could be whale watching. Um, they could be uh, paddle wheel boats. It could be, you know, anything that's on the water that's carrying people commercially. Uh, based domestically in the U.S. that did not cover cruise ships, that did not cover foreign flagged vessels. So that's how we got to certs. And so the, the Senate sponsors said, yep, yeah, let's look at a $10 billion program, but also include motor coach, passenger vessel, and school bus. So less money than what we thought we needed, but it was a, it's a, it's a, was a beginning. Um, as we began to get sponsors and, and started to advance that Senate bill, that's when the House bill came about. That's when the sponsors uh, over there introduced their version of the Senate bill, uh, identical bill, essentially. And so for the last two and a half months, I mean, this has been 90% of what we've worked on day in, day out, has been trying to get more co-sponsors on that. I don't know that the CERTS bill itself can necessarily pass Congress because almost no bills pass Congress anymore. You know, they get wrapped into something else. And our hope is, if it doesn't pass, that it gets wrapped into the next stimulus bill. And, and that's, a, that's a whole another discussion about the next stimulus bill. So as of today, as we're talking, um, the House, you know, months ago, back in the end of May, passed their version of the next stimulus bill, which is a over $3 trillion program. Um, the Senate has come back and has been negotiating with the House on what would be an appropriate number and originally said to the House, well, we've got a $1 trillion bill. You know, we'll bring that forward. And the House said, well, why don't we meet in the middle and you, you give us another trillion. We'll cut a trillion from ours. We'll be at $2 trillion. And the Senate came back and said, oh, never mind. We're going to cut ours back below a trillion. And now in the last couple of days, the Senate has said, no, we've got a lighter version. It's going to be $500 billion. So those negotiations between, you know, the House and the Senate were, were kind of moving along at a pace, and then everything fell apart. Then you had the Republican and Democratic conventions. You know, they're, they're not really meeting or discussing much this week, although 
I've heard in the last 48 hours have been some discussion between um, Secretary Mnuchin, who's Secretary of the Treasury, and kind of leading the effort for the White House, as well as with Sec uh, Speaker Pelosi over on the House side. So those discussions will probably start up again in earnest, earnest sorry, after next week, after uh, Labor Day, when Congress comes back into session. Now, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're aware of this. I'm not, I'm not positive, but something I wanted to bring to your attention is um, some good news on certs is that a, a few big names in the music industry have actually, you know, made videos and posts encouraging, yeah. you know, their fans to support certs. Um, do, are you aware of that? And can you talk about what that means for, for your industry? Yep. Artists like Colt Ford, Lee Bryce, Tyler Farr, and Kid Rock are a few names in music who have recently shown their support for the motor coach industry. Yeah, we've, we've seen some of those videos. They've been, they've been fantastic. I mean, they're, you know, what has really helped us in certs, well, number one, has been the engagement of all of our members across the board, motor coach companies, travel companies, tour companies, CVBs, everybody has been on board and has said with a unified voice, this industry needs help or it will not survive. That's number one. The lobbying efforts in D.C. and back in the home districts, back in the home states, has been like I have never seen it from the industry. I mean, in the past, it would be hard for me to get a, a member, an ABA member, sometimes to send a letter or an email to Congress or make a phone call. Everybody's on board. There's not a time when we've asked somebody to do something that they haven't done it. So those lobbying efforts have been just over and above anything that we could have ever imagined in the past. And, and now, you know, you take that effort and you add to it some of the media attention we've, we've gotten, where we did a large rally back in May. Uh, that generated a lot of media back in home districts and in home companies where many of the operators did videos and, and also did news interviews before they came to DC and then after they left from the rally. And from that, we saw national media start to pick up on the story. And so in the last few weeks, we've seen stories by Bloomberg, CNBC, Fox News. Um, we've seen stories in the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. And all that adds to the momentum, right? So not only have they hear from members, they see stories in their local newspapers, they start to see it on the national news. And now you add to that voices of customers like the entertainers who are out there saying, listen, this is an industry I know. I travel by bus. That's how I get to shows. That's how I get to venues. You know, they need help. Please help them. Um, you know, there's a, there's some other legislation moving through Congress that would help venues, you know, theaters and, and entertainment venues who are really in the same boat. I mean, so many of them have been just completely shut down. And, and we've had conversations with some of the sponsors of those bills and said, listen, you know, we're in the exact same position they are. I mean, how do you think the entertainers get to the venues that you want to provide assistance for? How do you think the customers get to the venues that you want to provide assistance for? It's one entire ecosystem, and we all should be working together, moving in the same direction to get help. So that having the entertainers' voices is one more layer that just helps get that message and keep it alive and keep it moving forward. Yeah, and what you said, actually, now this popped into my head, too, is it just it's another layer of something where people might not think of motor coaches being helpful. I think it was Colt Ford and his video supporting certs that had mentioned, you know, like it's so in, incredibly important for the music industry because that's how these people tour. And, 
you know, that's just, it's just another layer of, uh, how, how important the motor coach industry is. If you're a fan of music, then I think, you know, it's, you should be on, on the side of let's support the motor coach industry. That, uh, exactly, exactly right. Yeah. His, his was one of the first videos I saw and it was, it was one of the best. I mean, it really did a good, good job of hitting it home. And I know we're going to see some more of those coming out over the next couple of weeks. And, and again, it continues to add, add to the message. So, you know, Congress, Congress, sometimes they're, they're, they're a little slow and, and the more times they hear it at some point, it finally starts to resonate. And I think it's finally starting to resonate, resonate. I mean, there's, you know, members of Congress and their staffs that I talk to on a daily basis. Um, some of the various committees that we work with on a regular basis who have come back to us and said, listen, your message is getting across. We're hearing from you. We're hearing from constituents in every corner. We're talking to our colleagues, other staff members on other committees, and they're hearing about the motor coach industry. So your your message as an industry is definitely getting out there and people starting to listen. That's wonderful. And And now what can somebody who maybe it's just a regular listener, you know, what can they do to support um, the motor coach industry right now? If you're just maybe a per, maybe you don't even use motor coach personally yourself that often, but you believe in the message and you believe in how important, you know, the motor coach industry is, what can you do to help? You know, the easy, easiest thing to do is go onto our website and it's one of the first things that pops up, um, gives you an opportunity to, to, uh, weigh in with Congress, and there's a draft letter out there, and you can send an email to your member of Congress uh, and let them know how important this industry is to you. You know, maybe maybe you don't take the bus on a regular basis, but you do take it, you know, once in a while. Maybe you commute to work on it. Maybe you do go to a football game on it once in a while. Maybe you know people uh, who are in the travel business who rely on that motor coach coming up to their business to stay alive, to be able to put food on their table, to be able to fix their roof when there's a leak. You know, don't do it on just behalf of the motor coach industry, but all the people who rely on motor coach travel and group travel. You know, we are, as an industry, relatively small. 3,000 companies, um, in round numbers, 36,000 buses. Um, we have about 100,000 employees. But we touch 2 million other people whose livelihoods also depend either in part or in whole on this industry. And it can be, you know, the person working at the fast food restaurant in a destination. It can be the person that operates that theater, that small local theater that gets a couple of buses every couple of weeks. All of those people rely on this industry at some level for their livelihood. So don't just do it for the motor coach industry, but do it for everybody whose livelihood is is critical and important. Yeah. and, And sort of like the point I was trying to make earlier, like if you are a sports fan, if you like sports, and even if you don't take a coach that often, you're watching sports I think of college sports and how important the motor coach industry is to collegiate sports. I mean, yeah. it's, you should you should be supporting the motor coach industry. In, in my personal opinion, if if you're a fan of an industry that you is so reliant on uh, buses. Well, hey, and this is a political year, so if you're a fan of politicians, and some people are, and some people aren't, you got to support the motor coach industry because that's how they're getting from place to place to do their campaigning. Peter, before I, I let you go um, and we wrap up the show, I want to ask you one quick question. Now, everyone who listens to this show considers themselves students of travel. That's what the podcast was designed for, people who really learn a lot as they travel. And I want to ask you, do you consider yourself to be a student of travel? And what's something maybe you've learned it recently or, or maybe it's an important message you learned a long time ago? What's something you've learned while traveling? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a student of travel, continue to be. Um, you know, what I've learned, not only in my time here, but when I was a kid, we would always travel um, and not to exotic destinations. We had a, a, an uncle in Florida and we had an uncle in, in Wisconsin and every other year we would alternate between visiting those two. And, and my father uh, was always about seeing something different that we didn't have where we grew up. And so I can remember, you know, in 1966, I think it was, or even 67, um, on the way to Wisconsin, touring the Ford Motor Plant and seeing Mustangs being built, some of the first Mustangs being built. I can remember in Wisconsin going to, a, uh, going to see different paper plants um, because they had paper plants or going to see farms. I mean, he would, he would take us there. And as a, you know, as a youngster, as a, you know, 12, 13 year old youngster being dragged into a factory, you know, you didn't have a full appreciation, but it gave me a total appreciation later in life for how much there was out there to see, uh, whether it was the biggest thing, whether it was iconic national parks, you know, places like Yellowstone or Mount Rushmore, or whether it was just a, a local, you know, small attraction. I grew up in a very small town in Western Pennsylvania, and uh, they just built a museum to a woman by the name of Marilyn Horn, who most people wouldn't remember, but she was an incredible and, and very famous opera singer back in the 50s and grew up in the hometown. They've got a great museum to her that is not on the beaten path. You would only go and see it by bus, um, probably on your way to or from an area casino or to and from a ski trip or from Pittsburgh to Buffalo or you know whatever route you happen to be on. But there's those kinds of iconic nuggets all over this country and in Canada as well. And, and uh, as we said earlier, you know, some of, the, some of them you can only see by bus. That's the only way you're gonna get there. Um, but that's the life lesson for me as it relates to travel is that there's, everybody's got something. And every one of those somethings is unique and you can't find it anywhere else. And, you know, I'm out on the road usually 30 to 35 weeks a year somewhere um, many times speaking, you know, a lot of times at larger venues and, and many, many times I'll get a call by some of our smaller CVB members and they'll say, listen, will you come and, and speak to us? And I'll see things that I've never seen anywhere else, never seen in my life. Um, and it's just so rewarding to think of how much of that exists and how important it is that we continue it, that we continue to maintain it, that we continue to you know, to capture those those nuggets uh, and, and let people know that they're out there and that you can't find them anyplace else in the country except at this one given destination. Uh, Peter, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you taking some time to talk about buses. My pleasure. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks for having me. A big DBE thank you to Peter Pantuso for joining me on the podcast today. Make sure you visit the ABA website, buses.org, and I would highly encourage you to learn more about the CERTS Act. You can find this episode along with the entire DBE episode library, insightful travel blogs, and more at dbetravel.com. Remember that your student group can travel confidently with Just For Us Adventures, which you can learn more about by visiting mykatrip.com. 
And finally, be sure to check out the show notes if you're looking to get into podcasting. Click that link to get started with Buzzsprout. And not only will you be supporting Destinations Beyond Expectations, but you will also receive a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. Well, that is all I've got for this week. Thank you so much for listening and telling your friends, and I will talk to you soon. Destinations Beyond Expectations is brought to you by Kaleidoscope Adventures. If you need help planning your next student group trip, Kaleidoscope Adventures is the name you need to know. Visit them at www.mykatrip.com or give them a call at 800-774-7337 when you're ready to plan your next school trip. Again, that's www.mykatrip.com or call them at 800-774-7337.